0: Hello, podcasts, and welcome to episode four. In this conversation, uh, Stephen starts by asking a very disruptive question, and that is, are you happy? And then explains why it can mess with our minds. We have a short chat about the importance of understanding what actually happiness is and where it comes from. The main topic we discuss today is a happiness model that looks at the effect that your own confidence, and how you see the challenges that are in front of you, how these two can impact and decide your happiness. And using these as levers, we look at how you can change them and how you can make the happiness model work for you. Then we have some discussions on using stress to build your confidence. Uh, We discuss you stress and distress. And some examples of managing these levers in real life, including some parenting advice for me, from Stephen, he gave it to me truthfully, and Stephen also explaining how he's put his boys onto a plane to the U.S. and his own challenges were preparing an online demo. As always, I enjoyed myself. Sometimes you don't hear too much from me, but I am smiling and nodding along, and I hope you are too. Okay, enjoy. Here comes the cheesy music.
1: Are you happy? It's the most disruptive question in the world. Uh, how are you is, is a very open, it gives you room to choose, to describe how you are on whatever level. So people can talk about their energy, their feelings, their work, their family. It's a kind of, here's an opening and it's up to you. Whereas the question, are you happy? is the most disruptive question there is.
0: Okay what would be a good definition for happiness?
1: Well, how would you describe happiness? There's a
0: number of different ways I was thinking about. So it's is it being free from pain?
1: Unless you're happy being in pain. And this is why it's such a individual thing. It's, it's, what, what does happiness mean to any individual, any team, any family member, any client, any customer?
0: So if you're happy, if you're happy in yourself, you're happy in your life, you're positive, you're comfortable with where you are. Is that it? Is it a level of comfort of being, I'm happy with where I am today, even if I'm in a, a horrible place, for some reason, there's a level of comfort that comes from being in that place
1: see, this is where, it, and this is why it's such a disruptive question to say to someone, are you happy? Because, first of all, um, people assume that if they were happy, they would really know it. And therefore, because they don't know it, does that mean they're unhappy? And you've got happiness, you've got contentment, um, you've got willing things you're willing to accept, you've got places of comfort. And they may they also bring happiness, but they're not necessarily happiness in itself.
0: So if you don't notice it, are you feeling it? Is that?
1: Well, this is the thing people will assume. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't thought. I mean, it's one of the questions that we don't tend to ask ourselves. But So when someone else asks the question, obviously, it's kind of disruptive.
2: Yeah.
1: Because we then think, well, why are you asking that? Do I look unhappy? You know, in certain parts of the world, what are you so happy about, you know? Um, and, <laughs> yeah. And so it's some people look for that permission to feel happiness. Or, and, and therefore, it's, for some, it's a, a feeling, some it's an awareness, some it's a decision, and some people it's a choice. Some people place it as being an external thing, and others know it's an internal thing. So it, it means such a variety of things to so many people that if you really want to disrupt anybody, just ask them, are they happy? because it, it, it will tend to mess people's heads a little bit, because most people don't understand technically what happiness is. And they might be aware of all the other things that it's connected to, but almost as if it's all bundled together. So they don't necessarily know what each component part is. And happiness is really whatever you choose it to be or want it to be. But certainly a lot of the work that I do is to help people define what their version of happiness is because the sort of most common version of the pursuit of happiness is what people think everybody else would assume happiness would come from. You know, and they think that happiness is a byproduct of wealth, health, relationship, you know, success in whatever shape or form, then I'll be happy, which is why a lot of people find a kind of a, a, a depression or a mood on the other side of achieving something because they've been telling themselves, once I achieve that, then I'll be happy, then I'll be happy. And then they get there, and then they go, well, why did that feeling not last? And they'll either push again and say, maybe it's the next thing, and they'll keep pushing it and keep chasing it. And what they're doing by chasing it is, is identifying for themselves that happiness is something that sits outside them. It's something still to be had. Therefore, by definition, it's something that you don't already have. And the challenge that you have, if you don't have that happiness inside, you're not able to connect to the happiness on the outside. Yeah. And therefore, when you generate happiness, you know, situations, events, results that should make you happy that are external, if you don't have the happiness inside, it can't connect with happiness inside. So, again, it's kind of disappointing. You kind of go flat. And the risk with that, if you're chasing that, is that you either stop chasing or you're always chasing.
0: Yeah. And we, and we touched on this recently when we were talking about uh, suicide, I think. That whole idea of peop- some people who, who do self-harm or, or commit suicide do it when externally everything is in place that they should be happy. And so eventually they come to a place where they realise, therefore, that if all of these external components are in place and there is still this feeling of unhappiness or then the issue lies with them. Is that, is that something similar to that?
1: Yeah. It's, you know, if you, if you look at depression, um, at whatever level of depression, and we all feel depressed at different times when things are bad or tough or difficult and you're feeling quite down, that's not depression. You're just feeling quite down and you can see all the reasons why that makes sense. Equally, if if you're feeling great and things are really good then again your, your your emotions are in line with what's the environment that you're in and what's occurring so again you're, you're you're in alignment depression is when you have a disconnect it's when things are really really good and you're just feeling really really flat yeah when you have a disconnect that's when you become aware that you're feeling depressed because it's that disconnection of emotion from the situation and equally as well when things are really tough or dark or bad around about you, and you're kind of deliriously happy. Again, that's a form of depression because your emotions are way out of sync of what's going on around about you. And that your flow and curves of, of emotions and feelings are just not in sync with what's going on. That's where you have that disconnect. And that's where you can fall into depressive tendencies. And if you stay there for too long, it can then start to define, instead of it being a feeling, it starts to be you, it's, and then you kind of suffer from it, and it's a condition, and it and it, and it grows. And it never starts off as that, it develops into it. and And that's why understanding what happiness could mean for you and your role within this, because happiness isn't just something that occurs to you or for you. Understanding that and being able to make the kind of choices and have the perspective that leads to a healthy degree of happiness is important to understand, not just for yourself, but for those people around about you, whether it's family, friends, colleagues, teams, whatever. So this
0: disconnecting between your internal state and external state. So when you're feeling unhappy, not necessarily depressed, but let's say... I'm just thinking back of when I was a teenager, all dressed in black and with skulls, is the reason I wanted to listen to that type of music was because then there was a connection to that outside, which therefore there wasn't so much um, dissonance between the two. Therefore, that made me feel better. Now, the good news is these things pass and they go. But, you know, you don't go from one day listening to the Sisters of Mercy to whatever. You You were happy in that state for that time of being. So there's that whole story about what would you do if you had a billion pounds, you know, and everyone always says, you know, they go and buy the cars and they go on the holidays, etc. But really, what it
1: is that makes them happy is well, there's there's, there's a model that depicts um, which you and I have looked at before that depicts happiness, mm-hmm. and you know, and you've literally you've got two axes: the, the vertical axis is on the level of challenge involved. And the horizontal axis is your level of self-confidence. And the line of happiness, because there is a line of happiness is the diagonal that goes that splits those two axes. So in essence, when the level of challenge that you have matches your level of self-confidence, the point that that meets at is on the line of happiness.
0: Okay. so the, the greater the challenge, your confidence needs to be high enough to deal with
1: it. Yeah, but when those two match. So if um, if you're, if you the challenge is really high, but your confidence is low, then what you're going to feel is stress. Yes. Because the challenge is massive and you don't know whether you're going to be able to do it. So you're going to have a, a place of stress. If, on the other hand... You're full of confidence, but what you're doing is a very little challenge. You'll get bored. Yes. And happiness is that in this model happiness is that it's a thin line, but it is a definite line where your level of confidence matches the level of challenge. So this is a big challenge, but I know I can do this. That's where happiness sits.
0: Okay. So you have, so when you say stress, this is distress. 'Cause this is this word you stress, because I, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, it's EU stress. So distress is the bad one, you know, not EU stress, which sounds like a Brexit thing. This is U stress, which is a positive stress. This is the in the flow, this is when you're when you suddenly just feel you can you can do something which everyone else finds difficult, maybe but it seems to just be easy for you. Is that right? Is that what that thin line is? Is that the you stress line or something like that?
1: No, the, the stress, whether it's a positive stress or a negative stress, is your reaction to that stress. But if you if your challenge is bigger than the size of the confidence, then you'll go into stress. Now you can then go into choosing whether you see this as a positive stress or a negative stress. So it's how you react to that. So if, if the challenge I'm facing is huge, but I've got very little confidence. If I go into distress, I will go to pieces on it and think, why, why, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I stuck with this? And I'll have all this distress going on. Yes. But I can also choose to have that positive stress of saying, this is a massive challenge. I don't know if I can do this. So I'm really going to apply myself to learn, to engage with people, use this as a fantastic experience. Now, that's going to be stressful, but I'm choosing to make it a positive stress. Rather you, than a stress.
0: you choosing to shift the line actually then isn't it to use you at that example is that instead of when there is that gap and you are as you just said you're in the stressful territory you actually just snaffle it up and just say actually this is how i'm this is how i'm going to grow my own confidence
1: yes and, and what you're doing is you're moving that stress towards that diagonal line that cuts it in half because what you're doing is you're increasing your confidence exactly. Exactly. So you're increasing your confidence to meet that challenge Yes. So there's, there's basically two levers on this model. If anybody finds that they're feeling stressed, um, whether it's positive stress or, or negative stress, they're in a, a situation where the challenge exceeds their level of confidence. So they've got two options to do on this. What they can either do is, is break that challenge down into more manageable chunks that actually chunks that, match their level of current confidence and therefore they'll be happier doing it or to look to uh, take on that challenge in a way where they're going to build their confidence. Either way, what they're doing is they're moving towards that diagonal line by either increasing their confidence or reducing the challenge. The the other side of that equation is if, if anybody feels bored and fed up with what they're doing, it's because the, the challenge is no longer there and that challenge is a moving thing. I mean, the, the challenge of doing something uh, time and time again is a different type of challenge than doing it for the first time. And for some, that's a bigger challenge. Some, it's a smaller challenge. But when your confidence is greater than the size of the challenge, you've also got two options. Now, the positive option on that is to increase the challenge. Is to say, is there a different way I could do it? Is there a better way I could do that? Should I be aiming for something bigger so that you meet your your level of confidence? But unfortunately, I also experience people who choose the alternative option, which is they allow their confidence to diminish to match the size of the challenge. Yeah. You know, if you've got people who will say, well, I'm just going to hang in there. I'm just going to do my time. I'm just going to, you know... There's an event coming up in the business, therefore I'll see it through till then, and everything just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Or you know, in a relationship, it's not a great relationship, but you know, better to be in one than not. So the confidence just to diminish, diminish down to the challenge of wanting to make it a great relationship. Couples who are waiting for the kids to go, all those kind of stuff. You're hanging in there to then make that change. And your, your, your confidence is just going to diminish uh, because you will look to pursue happiness. And if you're not building that greater challenge, what you're going to do is diminish the confidence to try and find a happier place.
0: Yeah, that's great. I like this. So if we look at the first one, the stress, so basically, as you say, you've got these two big levers you can do. You either improve your confidence or you reduce the challenge or reduce how you see the challenge because both of the so the challenges of perception as well and and confidence how it's probably quicker to reduce the challenge than it is to increase confidence not cuz so in my head I'm thinking if I want to reduce the challenges do you work with somebody else do you do some investigation do you get factual do you as you say break it out into chunks there's a number of different ways whether it's if it's a work challenge or a sporting challenge, a relationship challenge. You, know, you can ask for help to, 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 to make that challenge more manageable or that you see it as more manageable. So it may remain the same size, but for some reason, you're able to change your opinion of the size. Is that confidence or, or challenge, or does it not matter? Does that make sense as a question?
1: Yeah, I mean, what you're doing there, if you're going to pull the lever on the challenge side of things, then you can either pull that lever to change the size of the challenge, uh, change what that challenge is constituted of, so break it down into into smaller, you know, bite-sized chunks or whatever. Um, Or you can redefine the challenge, see it as more as a personal challenge rather than a challenge that your boss has set of you. You know, um, apply it to things that have more meaning to you. Um, And what you're doing is redefining your relationship with that challenge. So you can change the size of it, change what it's made up of, change your relationship with it, change the context of the challenge. You can also choose not to take the challenge on if you have that option. But if it's a challenge that you're having to face, and whether that's a health challenge, relationship challenge, business, career, personal challenge, and you do have to take it on and you can't then change the challenge aspect of it, then you need to go to your confidence and say, well, how do I learn more about this? How do I understand this more? How do I have this more empowering? And, and what you've got on both sides, whether you go for the changing the challenge or working with the challenge or building your confidence, it's, it's determined by the question you're then going to ask yourself. So how can I find a way to, how can I learn more about this? Who can I speak to who knows more about this? And what that's going to do is redefine that challenge in your mind, but also it's going to increase your confidence as you gain more knowledge and understanding about it.
0: I was going to say, it feels like the it does both. If you choose the right strategy, you know, as you're reducing one, you're increasing the other also automatically. So, you know, there is a constant relationship between all three factors, isn't there? Okay.
1: That and, and equally the, the key to it Warren is is this understanding it appreciating that it's something to engage with you know I, I liken it with people when I, when I speak to them it's about if you if you're unfortunate enough to break down at the side of the motorway or the highway wherever you are and you you have to go out the vehicle for safety and stand at the side of this four five lane road where cars are powering by and it's really scary because you then start to see how fast cars drive along motorways and highways and freeways. You're petrified. But once you step back into your car and you're back in that inside lane, middle lane, third lane, whatever, and you're driving and you're in among it, you have a very different perspective of it. When you view the challenge from the side of the road, it will start to diminish your confidence. Because it's scary, you know. I've when I've, I've worked with sports people coming back from long-term injury, and I've always I've I've had to pull them away from going to watch because they just see all the ways they're going to get injured again.
0: That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but they would, in a way, they just don't think about
1: when they're throwing themselves around the pitch or once you're in the once you're in the car, you're in the motorway, you're in the traffic. You can then manoeuvre, and, and then you can. You're part of it. You're you're moving, Martha. It's the same with people in, who go through very difficult relationships, yeah. And then they stand outside of any relationship, scared to go back into a relationship because it's very scary. Yeah. Uh, or people who've had health challenges, and they move to a new city, and all these types of things. Well, you're standing on the outside. The challenge will get bigger, and your confidence will diminish.
0: Brené Brown, you know, the, the researcher, she d- did this um, talk about, I think she used the swear word, but it's like the first time. I can't remember where the swear word goes. So I don't want to mess it up. But anyway, and it was just a, this appreciation that when you suck at something, it's because you're doing it for the first time and therefore that's okay And actually just thinking now how you've just been talking about it, this is a way of just going back to your confidence and saying, of course you suck the first time. It doesn't mean you're bad. It means it's your first time. That's okay. This is absolutely normal. And you just suddenly think that that's, in a way, that's dealing with exactly that same thing. No, the challenge hasn't overwhelmed you. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. Oh, okay, keep going again. Don't worry. The second time will be easier. The third time, fourth time. This is normal.
1: Yeah, but, but there's also the thing, Warren, and you and I have discovered this just, re- just recently. We did the first handful of these, and they all went quite well. So our confidence went up, and, and, and the challenge, which we thought was going to be huge, then started to put this maybe isn't as difficult. And then we hit one that really didn't just quite come off, and it takes a dent in our confidence, and yeah. the challenge goes back up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 But when we talked about it, we have decided to look at that and say, right, well, how do we learn from that? Yeah. How do we not just do something and hope that it goes well, but start to understand what do you do to make sure it goes well? Yeah. Because confidence isn't just about the, the outcome. Confidence is about how you feel in advance that you're going to be able to to create that positive outcome. They're expecting a more positive outcome. You understand how it actually works because, yes, you can say, well, it's the first time I did it. Of course, it's not going to go well. Those are the things that's quite unlikely to be a second and third time for a lot of people. I find the even bigger challenge is that you can rationalise making not a great job of it the first time as being, well, it's my first time. When you've had three or four ones that you're happy with and then the fifth time you do it and you kind of fall over That's when it's tough. That's when you really need to understand what happiness is in the relationship between challenge and confidence. Because if you get the balance of the challenge and confidence right, then you'll be happier. And that's when you feel it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall. It's okay to get it wrong. That takes confidence to be able to say that. You're right. But when you've got companies saying to people, fail quick. You need confidence to fail. Yeah. To be able to live with that. Yeah. And and to want to go there again.
0: Yeah.
1: Picking yourself back up, you know, and going again. Going the first time, kinda of fresh, kinda of exciting, kinda of new. Well, expectation levels not so great. Then you do it three or four times and you think, no, no, expectation levels are gonna but we're good at this. Yeah. And then you listen back to one of these and you think, ah, No.
0: That's good. that's true. When you go again? So that's stress. And I like then and then the other side then is if you're bored, it's the challenge is too small, or you're seeing the challenge is too small, because the what you don't want to do is reduce your confidence to meet the size of the challenge. You've got to improve the size of the challenge. So this is why. Like we were just running around the park with the kids, which is pretty boring. But the moment you put a stopwatch on it, suddenly the challenge got a lot more exciting. It wasn't just who can run around the block for 30 seconds. It was who can do it in 29 seconds. And then suddenly everyone gets excited again. Is that?
1: Yeah. And look, an important point that you've you've picked up on there is the perception. Yeah. No, it's the perception of the challenge. When we're setting someone a challenge, we don't always appreciate the size of the challenge in their mind. Sometimes when we think this is a massive challenge for you, and others are kind of saying, Well, I don't think so. Other times we're thinking, Well, this is just something for you to do, but they're seeing this as a massive challenge. And it's the perception of it. You know, that the challenge of doing what we are doing just now for the hundredth time is the same size of challenge, but in our mind it's become less. Yeah. Because we've built up a confidence of doing it, and therefore we expect it to be right. And that's where, you know, it's the, when I have to work with some people who get into that complacency area is to is to help increase the perception of the challenge. You know, the what-if questions, just to make sure we're keeping sharp and keeping focused and increasing that size of of the perception of the challenge or to make the challenge part of something bigger.
0: Exactly. So this is so that's so that's a big Stephen thing is tie this up to the bigger picture to understand why this isn't a small challenge. But let's go back to complacency. Then it's similar. But when I find something easy and ask somebody to do it, I'm always annoyed if they find it hard. Instead of taking pride in the fact that I find it easy and somebody else may find it hard, it, so is this. Is this an underconfidence in myself that instead of understanding that something I find relatively easy, somebody else could find hard, isn't that – aren't you dissing yourself in a way? Does that make sense? Do you it's,
1: know actually, what I mean? it's actually the opposite. It's that your level of confidence is great and your perception is greater than the size of the challenge. And therefore, you're seeing the challenge has not been that big because at, at those moments you're most likely to do that is when your confidence is strong. Okay. Because you're looking through a very confident lens at the world and saying, "I can do this. This is straightforward."
0: So it's not necessarily that in all of your life that you're necessarily confident, but in that against that challenge, your confidence is high against it.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, that would be an easy thing to do. So therefore. You know, here's an opportunity for you to do it, okay. and it's something you can do. I've been doing it for years, you should be able to do this. And there is a certain amount of taking yourself for granted, thinking, well, yeah. it's just natural for me. It doesn't mean it's, it's natural for them. Exactly, and that's why I sometimes feel that
0: when I know I'm conscious of doing it and I know other people are conscious of, uh, of giving it to me as well, is I think you don't understand how good you are at this. And, some, and therefore, sometimes you're doing yourself a disservice if you think somebody can do this as easily as, as you can. Is why don't you understand that your skill at this is, is 10 out of 10? And to expect everyone else to have that, yeah, is, is doing yourself down. Really.
1: Yeah, but look, if you're giving somebody something to do, um, there's three reactions they're going to be happy, and you'll be able to tell when they're happy and motivated. You can tell when you've just given them a bit of stress or they're taking it as a stressful thing. Or you can look when they're kind of bored and fed up and don't want to do it. You know, so so you'll know where their perception is.
0: So one of the things then is when you give a challenge to somebody else or they have a challenge, and this can be in your team, this can be for you, this can be for your family, this can be for, let's say, my kids. If I see that they are stressed out and I don't understand why, Sometimes I should address the challenge, how they're perceiving the challenge, not, as I always tend to do as a dad, go to their confidence and just say, of course you can do this, you're fab. And, and I need to understand, what is it in the challenge that they are seeing, A, as too challenging or B, as, as boring? Yeah, well, bear
1: in mind it's their perception, Warren.
0: Exactly. You know?
1: And when you're saying, look, I believe in you, you can do this, what you find is they'll probably get more stressed. Exactly because that doesn't make their confidence grow. If you really want to push the confidence button, that's reminding them specifically of what they do and what they do really well and why you feel confident in them and why they can feel more confident in themselves. That's good. So if, if you're running a, a, a sports team and they're on a bad run of results and performances, but they used to be really good, but you can then see that they're, they're playing within themselves. They're trying not to get beat rather than trying to win. How would you then reconnect them with confidence? How would you do
0: this then? This isn't always just about trying to appeal to their confidence. And using those two levers, the fact that they're interconnected, it isn't about reminding the team of past glories is it? It's also helping them to.
1: Well, you've got both levers. But first of all, reconnecting people when, to when they were at their best, and specifically, and, and I've always said, behaviour is far more transferable, it's a far more objective feedback in terms of confidences and behaviour rather than just feelings. You know, you look, you you find that really easy. You're really good at that. It doesn't really carry a lot of weight. But by being able to see your approach to these things when you do this, this, and this. When you show that behaviour and that way, be- when you step into situations early and take control, that's when you're at your best. Being able to describe better of how they are when they're confident helps them reconnect with their confidence. But yes, you, help, you also have that other lever. And if we go back to the sports team who's playing against, you know, a stronger team, it's then about bringing that perception of the challenge down of saying, you know, the same number of team members as we've got, they've got the same issues, you know, if stay in the game for the first 15 minutes, if you got off to a good start, you know, and all these things where you're then breaking that challenge down into more manageable chunks. Look at, mark the person you're marking, make sure they don't get away from you. Bringing it down into a, this isn't a team of 22 players, this is you and that other person.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, so what you're doing is is reducing the perception of the challenge, but also increasing the level of confidence. Yeah.
0: Because the, Automatically, that that will happen anyway.
1: Well, as you said, when you touch one, the others affected. You know, if they reconnect with their confidence, they'll start to see the challenge as being not so daunting. But equally, if you bring the challenge down, it's going to help increase their confidence with a smaller challenge. So, from, uh,
0: so in the sporting world, it would be like you know, you know, this guy tends to use his right foot in these situations, and you're always really good at that. In a sales environment, then I'm just trying to think of this was when. You know, we'd be given a huge sales target and the best people, individual sales agents and and team managers and country managers would automatically take that 30 percent, 50 percent, 100 percent growth, whatever it was, and immediately start breaking it out into chunks. And suddenly it was like, well, we can do this. And especially if we have this, we can do that. Do we have this? You say, yeah, of course you can have that fantastic tick and eventually there'd be like eight out of ten ticks they would say well we've got this in the bank already so these are the two things now we need to work on and suddenly that huge number would get distilled into this and you'd see each of the team members suddenly realize what they had to do and confidence as you said would just rise sky high and those individual agents and those team managers and country managers yeah, they were worth their weight in gold. And those individual sales agents, you wanted to have running teams because their approach to de challenging the challenge was was so strong. So if I'm talking to my son or my daughter, I find myself not talking about the challenge as much as I maybe would in a work situation. Is that a paternal thing or, you know, is that a parental thing? The fact is that instead of helping them address the challenge, I just keep reminding them how fantastic they are. Or, or is that just lazy parenting for me?
1: Um, it's it's well-intended parenting. and, and parenting. Okay. That's a, That sounds like a kind way of saying yes. It's so much from the heart. But we do this with with kids. <laughs> you know, I'm tempted to do it with my two boys still, even at their age. Um, but you're tempted to do it with your colleagues, your teams, your friends, your partner, because you want people to feel more confident. You know, the, the three things that you typically want people to feel is happy, healthy and confident. You know, and if they feel happy, they feel healthy, they feel confident, they'll make better decisions. Yeah. But the, the difficulty that where people are less likely to go to, but it's far more constructive, is to also make sure they're given the balance of challenge. That parental thing is you can, you want to take the challenge away and you want to boost their confidence. Well, where are they then going to end up? Bored, fed up. And it's the biggest criticism it's given to teenage kids, folk in their 20s, now even people in their 30s, Well, there's the criticism of the they feel entitled, you know, and they're bored and they haven't worked out what they want to do and why is things so difficult and everything's just so because they haven't built up the confidence dealing with challenges their confidence has been inflated by people telling them how good they are before they've actually done anything so what they get is external confidence what they don't get is self-confidence and confidence is an external thing that goes up and down it's very volatile but' it's self-confidence although it does go up and down it's a very gradual build gradual decline and it's internal it's you knowing within yourself I mean, the pressure that some kids are under these days because their parents have told them forever how great they are, how confident they should be, and yet inside they feel scared. So then they feel as if there's something wrong with them. So, yes, it's great to, to love people enough that you want them to feel confident, but it's loving them enough to also show that belief in their confidence by helping them set challenges because that's where they'll find happiness. They won't find happiness just by being confident, All they will get is bored. And you also won't get them to be happy just by always giving them challenges, because they'll just be stressed. It's getting that combination and balance of both, and it's difficult. My two boys are playing soccer in the US. Um, Part of the deal of doing that was not just to enable them to do it, it was the conditions by which we would back them to do it. So they had to market themselves. They had to organise scholarships. They had to deal with the coaches. They had to deal with all the paperwork. They had to go and find places. They had to go and send emails out to holder the places. Got a load of trials. They had to organise. And if they were willing to organise all that, we would back them. But if they weren't willing to take on that challenge, they wouldn't be happy.
0: Yeah. Then they would. They shouldn't be going to the US and. Oh, and staying up their whole lives if they haven't yeah. got that confidence,
1: and we wouldn't be able to trust that—not that they'll be all right, but trust that they would be happy. The first challenge they get, and I see some of the boys that they play with, some some great guys that they play with, but you can see some of them, and they've never really had a great deal of challenge to deal with. Yeah. So you know, they're going to hit—they're they're already in boredom, and then they're going to hit some some stress at some point. So it's getting the right balance. Um, so it's it's knowing that these two levers have a relationship with each other it's, it's, and that's where happiness sits is in the combination of these two things. And also understanding that sometimes it's not the point of balance, it's the combination of the two that's, if I feel bored, I know what to do. And if I'm feeling stressed, I don't need to panic about it. I understand this is a, a phase. You know, I'm going to feel stressed for a few days on this, but I know what I'm getting to because I know by the end of the week I'll feel more confident. You know, I I had to start doing demos of the online platform Coach Pro, and I had never done online demos before. I'd never done a product sales thing, not for a long, long, long time. Not, 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 not since there was fax machines and all things. But, um, and I wasn't very good at that either. I just delivered the stuff. but um, And I did a, what I thought What a client expected was a demo, but what they had asked for was for me to talk them through it. And I discovered that Friday morning, the big difference between talking something through and what a demo should be, because they didn't get the demo they wanted. And it fell really, really flat. And my confidence was, I knew this was not good. And I came off that thinking, why have I done this? Why am I doing it? Why should I get someone else to do this? And Because the challenge seemed to be huge. In fact, I reached out to you to say, what do you do with this? Because it's I also knew you wouldn't do it for me, so um, it was a good place to go. But I, I then spent the weekend looking on the internet as to what good demos looked like. And I knew that if I pushed myself through, that by the following Friday, I would measure my confidence with this positively, and forcing that by booking in as many demos as I could, and we did sixteen by the following Friday. And by the following Friday, yeah, was it fantastic? No, but I felt a lot more confident with it, so that so I can then raise the challenge on it a bit better.
0: I think I think that's a really how you discuss that. Stress, and then the distress, and the use stress. So the use stress, I think the other time you hear it is um, like in weightlifting. It's a similar one that you've just it, it described. It there is if you've always got to lift that a, a weight which is too big for you, then it's going to be distress because it's for too long a time. But if, as you said, you go to that bar, you find out how heavy it is, and then you work all weekend to make sure it's going to be easier the next time. That's that you stress, isn't it? You know, it's positive. You're engaging. You're looking at this as a as a fun challenge, as a growing challenge. Well, not fun, it's a constructive challenge. I think that's one of the key ones is that to understand that when you're in that period of stress, this is okay. This is actually a, an opportunity to grow your confidence and skills and capabilities and all the other things which under underpin confidence. It's, yeah. if it goes on for too long, eventually this is going to end up in this, in this, in this spiral. And that, that I think is, and, and your example there is hitting, hitting the challenge and not letting it, um, derail you. is just, okay, I'll apply myself. I'll be engaged. I'll be constructive. I'll be positive about this. And I, and I will have a higher level of confidence and I will view the challenge as smaller. Therefore, I'm going to be happier in the next.
1: But your confidence takes that. I mean, your confidence gets hammered at that at that first point because the challenge seems huge and your confidence just seems inadequate. And then you start to think, "Oh, this isn't my thing. I'm not very good at this kind of stuff." But the relationship then to the challenge is thinking, "Well, if you're putting a product out there, this is unavoidable. You know, you can't put a product out there without doing a product demo. So this is something that you're going to have to face up to." And like most people, I'm at my best when I really have to do something. If I'm given the choice of do it, do it, do it not, do it, I will sometimes sit in my comfort zone and think, well, it's not the worst, it's not that, but of course it's not great, but you can't expect it to be great. And I will sit in that comfort zone. But when you reach those moments where you realise that's not good enough and you realise you then have to face up to the challenge, that's when you get into the car and get driving again. And that's where you get confidence from taking action.
2: Yeah.
1: There you have it. A
0: really good conversation. I enjoyed it. Hope you did too. I'll add a link to the model uh, in the show notes for those of you who are more visual and want to see it. Um, I'll see if I can get Stephen to give us the link to his online site coachpro.online there were some good tangents that had to be edited out unfortunately but I'm looking forward to getting back to them in a later episode in the meantime if you have any comments or if you have any questions for us then please send them through Uh, we've got an email address podcast at coachpro.online and we look forward to
1: talking again soon thank you Bye bye